careful with my words here. I have taken much thought and prayer to what I'm going to attempt to try to convey. But I feel very strongly in the Holy Ghost that the order of service tonight and what God has wrought in so many, this will become the norm for our church. And if you are not acclimated to this, my prayer is for you that God would help you because it's going to get more and more uncomfortable. You voted me in. You can vote me out. I don't want to go nowhere. I believe this is the best church on the planet, the best group of people. I believe that. But it's going to get a little bit more uncomfortable for those that don't know how to flow. And the Lord's done showed me what it is. I'm just waiting on you. Pride is going to be on your tombstone. And I don't very few often times remember it moving, but I feel such a prophetic. I went to this one, went to that one. But to this one, and I feel that office of the prophet in this place here tonight. And I tell that story one more time, just for somebody that maybe not trying to make you become fearful, but that you realize how urgent it is that we push with everything we have. That lady that I told the story about, I went to her and said, if you don't make it right in Tonight, you're going to be screaming in a hospital bed and they're going to hear your voice down the hall. And there's not going to be one thing people are going to do with you. But here's what she did. She was coming against the ministry. The ministry was saying, we need to go forward. And she's saying, I'm not going forward with you. And she dug in her heels and began to talk about him to other people in the community. I know that's not here but I want this story to resonate in our spirit that we realize well the end of that story was said ma'am if you don't get it right tonight it will happen three months ago I got the phone call and they said they could hear her voice screaming down the hall she was eaten with cancer and there was nothing they could do folks it matters in us aligning ourselves with the will of God. We get so crossed up that it's, it's a preacher or it's his agenda. It's not. It's the will of God for us to have a revival in Indian Village that shakes this community. And I believe that God is preparing us now in settings like this that we would look with every bit of intentness God, what are you about to do? What's the next step? What are we about to go? But there's an old mindset that God is slowly starting to turn in this church for the good. It's a mindset that's saying, I, I, I know what you're saying, preacher. I might not understand how to do it, but I'm going to go with you on the journey. 
I don't feel that resistance in this place. I feel liberty and willingness in this place. But you and I need to remember that God is ready to move us in a place that we've never been before. And this will become the norm. This will become the norm. This will become what God has for us moving forward. Because you see, people got things that they needed. If we would have just sang our five songs. But you see, you don't know what I fought to get here. The men had to come pray. My family had to pray for me in my office. Because I told them, I said, I can't do this. Then the men had to come pray. Because the spirit of witchcraft, flesh... It's flesh. It's not a demon. Calvary beat every demon. It's a flesh. You cannot watch TV all week long and tell me you prayed. You cannot watch movies all week long and really say you got a prayer life. And the flesh I'm feeling is flesh out of control. So we need to go on another seven day fast? No. What do you say we just take it right now and say, God, I'm ready to get back into prayer. I'm ready to get back in loving you. I'm ready to get back in the harvest. I'm ready to get back in serving you. And God, whatever it takes, God, I, I, I need it right now. Come on, lift your hands all across this building. One more time. God. Come on, let it come from your heart, not because I ask you. God, I need you tonight. Miracles were done in this building before we ever started. Brother Fano was in the Holy Ghost. God's got something for us. I really believe that. I believe God's got something for us here in Indian Village that is so big. It's so big. And then the more I dig into the spirit, the more he pulls the veil back. And I get to see another glimpse of what God wants to do. There's generations of people that are fixing to come through our back door. I'm talking generations. I'm talking old people, middle-aged people, and young people. I'm talking backsliders that have been disillusioned from things that they, they thought they had truth and something happened. God's fixing to bring back the old. God's going to bring back the middle age. And God's going to bring back the young. The only reason he's going to bring it back is because he found a church in Indian Village that wants to be apostolic and not Pentecostal. And see right here, Benoit, why are you going to say all that stuff about the lady screaming and dying? Man, you ain't going to get no visitors doing that kind of stuff. Folks, that's the atmosphere I was raised in. From Billy Cole to Brother Ewing to T.W. Barnes, that's the kind of stuff I saw coming to a pulpit. And when I saw that authority step to that pulpit, and the response of the people that would buy into that man of God, what he saw, I saw explosion after explosion in families' homes and marriages and things that were seemingly immovable. Faith stretched beyond and said, I'm going to buy into this. See, but the enemy has made us disillusioned by ministry, by saints, and by churches. 
God's changing that. He's changing that. And he's raising up a group of people that can say, I know where the truth is, and I know where people are that love that truth. And it's right here in Indian Village. Just one more time, if you just love him, just tell him how good he is. God, I love you tonight. God, I thank you tonight. Praise your name. For your grace and mercy. Lead us tonight, God. We need more of your presence, God, and less of us and entertainment. But fill us with your presence, God. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your presence. You promise you'll stay with me tonight. I pushed so hard tonight in prayer. I pushed this morning. I'm not as young as I used to, Brother Roy. I can't push like I used to. And I need your help tonight. I got a word from God tonight. I got a word from God. God's called me to this church. That I know. But God's also called me to this next generation. 65 and below. That's the generation He's called me to. And I got a word tonight. I'm not exemplifying or not excluding. Wrong word. I'm not excluding anybody in the older group, the elder. The, I'm not excluding you. I need you to help me tonight. That I can somehow impart this to this next generation. I know where God's called me. I say again, He's called me here. But He's called me to this next generation. Will you allow me to do what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight? You got your Bibles. Book of Samuel, chapter 2. Hold this. Come take this. And when service is over, promise me you won't run away. I got to make these announcements, but I feel in the Holy Ghost it needs to wait. So just don't, don't run off tonight. Let me make these announcements before. Before we leave after the altar call. Second Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord saying. Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him go up. And David said whither shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. Please let me interject here, please. Aren't you thankful that David gave us a pattern? Before you make a move, you better make sure you ask God. David went up before the Lord and inquired, what do I do? And God said, it's a whole lot easier to go on a word from God than to go on your own word. And he said unto Hebron, David went up thither, and his two wives also. Who's back there? I can't see. Who is that? Lauren. Lauren, I'm going to come back to two, so keep it handy. David went up hither, Himaham, Jezreelitis, Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Caramelite. And his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household. And they dwelt in the city of Hebron. Hebron, And the men of Judah came. And there they anointed David king 
over the house of Judah. They told David saying that the men of Jabesh Gilead were they that buried Saul. And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, Blessed be ye of the Lord that ye have shewed kindness, this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. Verse 4, he went to Judah, and there he was anointed by Judah. The anointings of the fathers. Brother Fontenot, you don't know how much you were in the Holy Ghost talking about anointing. That's why I put my reading down and had to take a look because I was just, it never gets old watching how God confirms His Word. And I just watched you navigate in the Spirit, literally going one by one. You even said, my fathers are the, fa the anointings of the... God's trying to get our attention tonight. This is not like any other Sunday night. Put your ears up high. Put your spirit on red alert and get ready. God's going to speak to us tonight. Lift your hands one more time. Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight. Speak to our spirit. Let it be more than just a word. Let it be more than just a sermon. Let it be more than just a Sunday night that we take up. But let there be an anointing that would flow tonight on the body, all of us, that it would soften the yokes of pride. It would soften the yokes of fear. It would soften the yokes, God, of anxiety that comes to your people. And tonight, let there be a breaking forth of the people of God. I ask you in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Jared, get me good monitor up here. I'm going to stay here for a minute. David, as you have heard me say so many times before, I have learned so much from how he navigated his beginnings and how it started with him and Saul and Goliath and Abinadab and all of the people that walked through the pages of David's life. But this is a unique juncture. This is not like any other point in David's life. This is not like the time it was in 1 Samuel 16 and 17 where there was a great need that was, that was there for the children of Israel. And Goliath was boasting of what he was going to do to the people of God. And there was no man that would stand to the fight against Goliath. But you see, before Goliath ever walked into the valley of Elah, there was a man that God saw on the backside, David. See, God sees me and your tomorrows before you and I ever get there. He sees every battle you're going to face in your tomorrow. He sees every struggle you're going to have in your family. He sees every loss and every gain and every disappointment in your tomorrow. But it never stops him from the destiny that he has for you in the end. See, what you and I cannot see, even in this service tonight, is the pull of destiny trying to get you and I on location. David's location and destiny was Jerusalem. He's not there yet. 
He's not in that place. It started in the valley of Elah. But God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. See, Saul, you won't stand to fight because you're an altarless individual. You won't pray. You won't sacrifice. You won't do any of the sort. So I tell you what, my people are more valuable to me. I'll let you have your little short reign, but I got a man on the backside that I've already been talking to, and he fell in love with me. You hear me? Before you and I can ever do anything for God, it starts with me and you falling in love with him. I dance because I love him. I shout because I I love him. I lift my hands because I love him. I give him everything because I love him. That's the expression he looks for when he gets you on location. David mastered it on the backside. He knew it on the backside. And how ironic God says. Samuel shows up. Nobody likes it when the prophet shows up. Because they knew back in that Old Testament, when the prophet shows up, it ain't always about blessing and you fix and drive a Rolls Royce. When the prophet showed up, he's coming to sacrifice or he's coming to pronounce judgment on somebody that ain't doing right. And that prophet showed up, Samuel, and he showed up for one intent. This wasn't about judgment. This wasn't about a sacrifice. This was about him coming to show one young man, I've got something for you. You might not understand. Come on, elders. Think back a long time ago. You think God gave you the favor he gave you 30 years ago with the individuals he gave for something back then? It all leads up to a pool of destiny for you and I in our tomorrow but if we can't see that David never lost sight and Samuel says bring bring me your boys Jesse and all of them come and David he said is there any more he said I got one more bring him up and here marks now watch me I'm not just giving you fodder. I'm trying to bring in everybody in the scene of what's about to unfold in 2 Samuel 2. David gets his first anointing. There's no definition to that anointing. There's no clear understanding of that anointing. There, there, there's no commission to that anointing. He did not tell him, this anointing is going to enable you to defeat Goliath. This anointing is going to enable you to beat Joe. This anointing is going to help you overcome Erythropel. This anointing is going to help you overcome this or that. It did not say none of the sort. It was anointing that he had to carry with integrity. He had to carry it with conviction. When you and I first come to God and we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you therein receive an anointing of Jesus Christ on you. But here's what happens many times, Brother Fontenot. We receive an anointing. We receive an experience. But we don't get the conviction to keep the experience. Let me read for you the definition. Conviction is defined. As I got this out of an article. I think Brother Booker wrote it. It was a case that went against a pastor in Ohio that went to the Supreme Court. The court's decision was based on what they defined a conviction. They determined five things define and produce a conviction. A belief not affected by peer pressure. One. 
A position not affected by family pressure. Are you and I willing to carry the anointing regardless of what your family does? A conviction says it don't matter what you do. It don't matter what you do. It don't matter what you do. I'm convicted in my heart. He anointed me for a purpose. And I've got to walk with that with an integrity and a character and a conviction that God's fixing to use me. Belief is not by peer pressure, not affected by family pressure. Here's another one. The threat of jail would not cause you to change it. When they walk in this back door and martial laws declare, hopefully we're out of here by then. But if we're not, and they start throwing you and I in the slammer, are you and I convicted enough in our heart and our spirit that you know what? You're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my worship. You're not going to stop what I know is right. This is what I'm preaching to a next generation. Don't let anybody steal your praise. Don't let anybody steal your prayer. Don't let anybody steal your first. I've had them come to me and they're older preachers I love them I thank God for their kindness they come and tell me Benoit if you don't slow down and I know they mean it out of kindness but you hear me my personality is such and I know Scott Benoit if I stop I'm going to backslide and that's what's happened to many people. They've kind of just gotten comfortable. That's why I made the comment before. I promise this will be the only bad statement I make. But there's some people, they think they got the Holy Ghost, but they ain't really got it because their lack of praise shows they don't have it. And God's trying to wake up this generation to realize jail time shouldn't stop you. Family pressure shouldn't stop you. Peer pressure shouldn't stop you. Here's another one. The threat of a lawsuit would cause you to change from it. What do you and I do? Canada, they can't preach against homosexuality. Well, there it went south on me again. I wish I had a preaching church with me a little bit. When are we going to understand? I love everybody, but I'm not going to tolerate because now we've got our young graders now. They don't know if they're a transgender. They don't know if they're a boy and a girl. He's done been written out of the dictionary. Oxford, they're changing everything. When is a church going to arise and say, I've got conviction. This is the way it should be. Let's see. Third of a loss. Don't say that. You're going to run off a good saint. You're going to run off somebody. You're going to offend a visitor. You're going to offend a lawyer. You're going to make them bring you to court. That's what we got bylaws for. And that's what we got good attorneys for. I'm not saying be ugly and unkind. You know me. I'm not going to be ugly and unkind. But I'm not going to advocate or allow something to be advocated that's contradiction. See, that's that first anointing that gets you and I through Conviction is what gets you through the days of Saul. Conviction. Oh God, he taking it off. It's 709. Y'all just tighten your seatbelts. 
Conviction is what tells me no matter how bad Saul is on my heels. Again, I say, Saul represented a generation that is altarless. Saul represents a generation that won't sacrifice. They are all about political persuasion. They're all about making people happy. They're all about, Saul is all about keeping peace among the tribal people. And David is contradictory to everything about trying to keep peace when it causes the kingdom of God to suffer things that it should never suffer. But what do I do when I'm caught between the two? I'm caught between the two. You're caught between the two. We're caught between one generation that would say, maybe I'm altarless. I don't need any of this. We did it one way. And I've got another generation coming up saying, tell me how to do it. Tell me how spiritual warfare works. Tell me how to pray in the spirit. Tell me how to be fervent and effectual in prayer. We're caught between the two, between that one generation. And I, I, don't, I keep calling it generation. Let me call it the days of Saul because I'm not alluding to the elder generation that you were altarless. You got us where we are, and I thank God for that. But there's still a Saul that was before us that kind of filtered in through the spiritual DNA, and it got into my generation, and it got into your generation, that it's like we inherited all this. So there ain't nothing else I got to do. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to do anything else. It was all given to me. But let me serve notice to this generation and my generation. If you and I are ever going to move forward, it's going to cost you and I more than you and I. My help's here. I feel him walking right here by me. And God's chosen you. God's brought you to this kingdom for this. Brother Mike, I don't care how weak you are in your body. You're still a part of what God has. Brother Bill Smith, I don't care. Look at what happened Wednesday night. Your generation, you preached us an old-fashioned Holy Ghost message. And two people got the Holy Ghost. Your ministry's not done. I'm trying to tell somebody, I don't care how old you are. We've got to remember the convictions that got us to where we are. Because there's a pull of destiny trying to get you in Jerusalem. See, David had to get to Jerusalem. He ain't there yet. He's in Bethlehem. He's there with Jesse, his first anointing. And then he goes 14, 13 years running from Saul. He don't get to Jerusalem, Brother Roger. He's running from Saul. He's running on one thing. The first anointing he got and a conviction in that anointing. You say, Brother Benoit, what are you talking about? Let me me tell you how God doesn't buy into nepotism. That's the church. The church buys into nepotism. Ain't got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with God calls people to certain points and places. And in the Old Testament, Joshua, judges, they're so clear with this. But Joshua specifically, it came time to claim the mountain, Tyler. It came time to get the mountain, Kyle. And when it came time to own up to the inheritance, you know who stood up? Caleb. You know what Caleb was? Caleb was a Kenzanite. 
Kenzanite was a half breed. He wasn't fully Jew. He was Jew and he had some other stuff in his blood. You hear me. I thank God for the blood that flows to you and I. But God ain't looking at your past. He ain't looking at who your mom and your daddy is. He's looking at do you have conviction? Can I take the mountain? Can I take what God promised was mine? And Caleb, he said, I'll take that mountain. He did it under conviction, Brother Charlie. He did it because he believed enough. He didn't have it flowing in his DNA right. He didn't have the right pedigree. He didn't have the right weapons. He just knew enough about God. I done done this back in Numbers 13. I came to Cadiz Barnea, and everybody else wanted to throw in the towel. But somewhere in Caleb's yesterday, he realized, if I'm going to make it through tough times, I've got to hang on to the conviction that God is for me, and God is with me, and God's going to bring me through but the battle we let the we put the conviction sister Becky on the shelf not talking about standards we got that down pat we learned how to cloak it we cloak the fact we ain't got the conviction no more we dress it but inside our actions show that we don't have a conviction that God I'm gonna ask you a question if you knew right now right now your backslidden son, daughter, family, kid, and God was going to move on them right now, and God had your back that they were going to walk in the door, what would you do? That's conviction. That's conviction. I tell you right now, whether God told you or not, God still says, I've got the ability to get a hold of that heart. The heart of the king is in the hand of God. Well, I'll wait till it's more sure. See, that's that pride. And that pride is going to send you and your kids but why? It don't have to be that way, Brother Charlie, Jacob. Will, it don't have to be that way. I told you it's unique. Y'all may fire me after tonight. That pride is going to cause your kids to be lost, and you will be in judgment for it. Hayden, you hear me? Because God gave you an anointing to do something with it. The first anointing. And we did not walk with the conviction. You say, well, you don't understand, Benoit. I was molested. I was raped. I was abused. I was lied on. I was defunded. I was broke down. I was disgusted. I, I lost everything. My wife cheated on me. My husband, you know what? Hello, we're in the flesh. That doesn't mean God ever forsook you and forsook this church or forsook this community. God is ready to give us a revival of this community like never before. God did not give Knox the Holy Ghost just to give it to him, to give some little kicker to You love him, I know. But you hear me. God did not give the Holy Ghost to this boy just to make you happy. 
God filled this boy with the Holy Ghost for one reason. The first anointing began to flow. And it's my job to make sure I get you to Jerusalem, Knox. It's my job to teach you spiritual warfare. It's my job to teach you how to be fervent in prayer. All this now, just kind of Jesus, Jesus, uh uh-uh. I'm going to teach you how to be fervent. I'm going to teach you how to call on heaven, and heaven's going to show up in your home. He goes, come on, young people. That ain't just for Knox. That's for you, Blakely. It's my job to get you there. And I say again to this generation, we're going to get to Jerusalem. Because the pool of destiny is greater than anything that's in this building. Don't let him stop you. God didn't give you the anointing so you could get a goosebump and a hook on a shot. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost for you and I to sit on a pew and just be. I thank God for the faithfulness of God's people. I'm not disrespecting us in any way or you in any way. But you hear me. I'm trying to challenge you to rise above all the chaos and mayhem that's going on in this world. And realize 30 years ago God put an anointing on you. 60 years ago God put an anointing on you. Five days ago God put an anointing on you. Why? Because destiny... You knew God had your back. Well, we got a few responses. Well, let me tell you this. God's not going to bring them until you respond. He done told me in the Holy Ghost. He done told me as clear, just as clear as it was when I looked at that lady and said, you'll die. Ate up with cancer because of your rebellion. And I don't mean that disrespectful to you, Brother Wade. Point my finger at you. and I love you. I just pick on you because you, you love me. But I know in the Holy Ghost what he told me, Brother Wade. They're not coming until God gets what he wants from you. Because here's what he said. I done gave them the first anointing. And that should be everything they need to deal with Saul. Saul's throwing javelins at some of you. That's why I know this message tonight. Some of you are at the 14th, the end. Some of you are seven years into it. Some of you are one year into Saul. And we're fighting it all the way around us. It's an alterless world. It's all about self. You with me? So some of you, Hannah, you might be at that year four. You still got eight more years to go. But God gave you an anointing to get you to the second anointing, 2 Samuel 2. You see it? And there's a third anointing. The third anointing was when God poured it out over Israel and he's in Jerusalem. You and I ain't going to get to the third until we get to heaven and we're in the new Jerusalem. But until then, you got the first anointing. Let's make the best of what we got. I don't want to use it for myself, Kyle. I don't want to use it for my own grandizing or my own opulence. I want to use it for the kingdom of God. And like you said, for the people of God. 
Because if we use it for the people of God, Sister Claudia, if I use that anointing that's on me, then here's what's going to happen. There's coming a 14th year. And I keep saying it's 13 or 14 years. I forget how long he ran from Saul. There's coming 2 Samuel chapter 2. Find it for me, Lord. 2 Samuel 2 and 2. And the Bible says, and David inquired. Let me, let me say something to somebody. Let me just interject this. Don't make a decision because of fear. Saul made every decision because of fear, Brother Joe. He was fearful of losing the people. See, that's what makes it so, so, so uh, the, the more freedom I can have as a preacher, I'm not, I'm not fearful of the people. I'm fearful of God. And I'll get in trouble with God. He'll whip me good if I mistreat God's people. That's who I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of the people. Saul was afraid of the people and not afraid of God. If we're not careful, we'll make a decision out of fear instead of faith. God's got me. God's going to keep me. God's going to maintain me. And it don't matter what I may be going through right now. See, this is why you can you learn from what Saul did. Saul made decision after decision because he was afraid. David saw all of that and says, uh-uh, I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to live for God by faith. I'm going to worship him by faith. Fear is not going to be the governing factor. I'm not going to fear tomorrow. I'm not going to fear my finances. I'm not going to fear my family. I'm not going to fear what the enemy can do. I'm going to trust I'm coming to a close. And David, he inquired of the Lord, Brother Smith. He inquired of God. That never gets old. Every decision I make, Brother Smith, people may say it, but I even pray about my vacation. Do I go? Do I not go? Do you want me to go? Do you want me to stay? I always inquire of God. And I don't move until I hear his voice. You hear me in this hour? We are being robbed of the voice of God. We're being robbed of the voice of God in ministry. We're being robbed of the voice of God in our private prayer. If I ask somebody here tonight, what has God been telling you in prayer? I'd get three shoulders up and four and down and say, hmm, I don't know. When's the last time God spoke to you and I in prayer? When's the last time you and I? That's not just for the preacher, Brother Roy, Sister Linda. That's not just for me to get a word because I got to lead the people. You got to lead your family. You got to lead your kids. You and I need to hear the voice of God. David inquired and got a word. He didn't go to the prophet. He didn't go to his Bible study teacher. He didn't go to the preacher. He got a word from God. And the Bible says he went up. You know, go, go, go. Well, yeah, let me go ahead and do this one. He goes up to Hebron. Just remember, I'm going to come to Hebron in a minute. And I'm closing. When he moved forward, his two wives went with him. That's a problem. I'll get some of you to respond there. <laughs> That's the problem. But he brought his two wives. You know what Abigail means? Joy of my father. Now watch me. Please stay with me. I'm not just trying to take up time. 
David's moving towards verse 3 and 4 is when he gets the second anointing in Hebron by Judah. All very significant. But watch. As he's going to Hebron, he's taking with him the anticipation of what's coming. Joy of my fathers. What was Judah? Judah was David's father's. So his second anointing was a generational anointing transfer to reach the next generation with the same power of the fathers before. That's why I say again, as long as you and I stay faithful to prayer and living for God, this church can't go under. You and I stay faithful to the things that got us where we are and the conviction. If you ain't got conviction over some things, come see me after church and I'll teach you. Because everything we do in this church, by dress, by praise, by worship, I can give you more scripture to choke a mule on why we do what we do. That's not arrogant. That's confident in my God and what he's given to us as a people. He said the Father's joy is coming with you to the second anointing. And it don't end there. His next wife, who I can't even pronounce her name, Habithapar, Harthar. You know what it means? Hayden, it means pleasantness. You become pleasant in this new anointing that God's got for you. You say, well, I'm already pleasant. No, go ask your kids. Go ask your husband. Go ask your wife. They're probably not saying you're too pleasant. Sister Linda, when we walk into the second anointing, the anointing of the fathers to reach the next generation. The first anointing was to overcome Saul. The second anointing was to reach this generation. David, his two wives... The joy of my father and the pleasantness. Living for God can be pleasant. I know you hear from me a lot of warfare and spirits of witchcraft. And it's like, Benoit, you talk more about I ain't never heard all that kind of stuff. Well, that don't mean it didn't exist just because you ain't heard of it. Hello. Just because you live on an island and there ain't nobody there but you and they don't have electricity. That don't mean it don't exist for me, Jack. Just because you ain't ever heard it or been taught it don't mean it don't exist. But the problem is because I don't know. My pride kicks in and goes, I'm not going to let anybody think that I don't know. So I know the warfare is intense, but I'm trying to paint a picture for you and I. We're trying to get to Jerusalem, the third anointing. But in the meanwhile, we got a pit stop in Hebron. And there's going to be a, the first one was 14 or 13 years. The second anointing to the third anointing, you know how long it took? About two to three years. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, here's what I'm trying to tell somebody and what I feel prophetically in the Holy Ghost. No man knows the hour. I got that down. But what I'm feeling and sensing in the spirit, our days are very, very close. And if it's time for a second anointing to this next generation, then you hear me. It might have taken 14 years to get to the second one. But for the third one, there's going to be a shortening of time. And the days are going to be shortened. The coming of God is nigh and at hand. My worry and my fear is going to be the fact that we've waited 14 years for our kids to come and family to turn around and miracle after miracle. Unbelief has set down in such a root system of the spirit of people that when God finally says, like I'm preaching tonight, tonight, second anointing for you, not you. You can't transition because you've been 13 and 14 years fighting with a Saul that you thought you were going to lose your life. And unbelief now is in the roots of your spirit. And now you can't muster up enough faith to lift your hands, to lift your voice, to give God a shout, to be convicted about some things that you and I know has got us where we are here today. And my concern is going to be, Mike, those that have waited 14 years. And then finally God says, today, and here's the kicker, the next anointing is short. The time is on us. We don't have time. I've asked God to help me. Why, where do I get these messages, Brother Charlie? I've gotten more messages since I've been here in Indian Village that I've never seen. It's revelation stuff I've never seen before. But I know now his voice and the clear calling. He's called me here to this church, but he's called me to that next generation to prepare them because there's a second anointing outpouring and it's coming to Knox. It's coming to Maddie. It's coming to Mallory. It's coming to Kinsey. It's coming to the little ones, Hank. It's coming to John William. It's coming to all of them that are away and they're not the only ones. It's coming to you. It's coming to me. It's coming to whosoever will. Musicians, come. I close. Y'all come. Here's the conclusion. He goes up. Next verse. He's been there with him. David bring him in the household. And he went to Hebron. Now watch. Just so you know, I'm not pulling out of Joshua, Caleb's a Kenzanite, and conviction and all this kind of stuff. Do you know the mountain that Caleb took? Does anybody know the mountain he took? The name? Hebron. Hebron. Hebron, a place marked with conviction. You show me a place marked with conviction for praise, worship, fervent prayer, effectual prayer, holiness, and living for God. I'll show you a place that's positioned for a second anointing that's going to come. The Folks, Saul is about dead. In this text, he's dead. Your second anointing means bury Saul. But I can't. I can't. I can't get over the past. I can't get over yesterday. I can't get over what Saul did to me. You're going to be hindered in your second anointing. And all along, God's this. Come here, Kyle. I'm closing. Musicians, y'all come. Really, get ready. Come here, Tyler. Stand right there. Come here, Kyle. Come here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Stand right there. Right there. You're the first anointing. I'm the pull of destiny. I'm pulling David. 
got a second anointing, David. But wait, Saul, he's beating me up. I'm, I, I, this ain't going good. I'm, oh, I might as well just quit. Oh, I'm in the church. I got the Holy Ghost. I might as well just sit back and just coast. Folks, you can't coast. There ain't no coasting. You can't find nowhere in Scripture. It says they wax valid in fight. You find peace in the fight. You don't go fighting for the peace. You already got the peace. That's why I go to battle. I know God's going to win. And the pull, the pull, the pull of destiny. You got a second anointing. You can't let Saul drown you out. You can't let an altarless hour. I'm going to say this real plain. I, I think I've shown my love to brother and sister Bush now 110%. They know that. But I'm going to say it real plain. I thank God for the missions giving we've done. But God's calling us to a different battle than missions giving. I'm not saying we're going to quit giving. We gave close to 100000 again last year. 90-something thousand. I kept everything like it was. But God's calling this church now to another step into revival. Because let me tell you, it's easy to send you money when you got it. Might have not been for Brother Bushnell back then. Didn't have it, but he gave sacrificially. God's moving us into a different place of warfare and worship and church services. It's not like the norm. Not saying what was done then was wrong. We're building on what was done. Thank God for a solid foundation. I ain't got to come in here and deal with a bunch of charismatic poo-poo. Yeah, I said it. Don't believe fat meets greasy. Jeff Arnold says you don't believe. No. We've got a good thing in Indian Village. And I believe with every fiber of my body as destiny pulls. It's trying to get you to the second anointing. And me to the second anointing. But even greater than the second anointing. Where he's trying to get you is to the third one. Now watch me. You can't stay at the first one and make it to the third one. I'm telling you, I feel such a prophetic revelation. You cannot stay at the same place that you got the Holy Ghost 40, 50, 60 years or 10 years. You're going to stay. Destiny, like we said, is pulling. And it's pulling. And here's what we're doing. Ain't I right, Brother Smith? Brother Savo, ain't I right? It's where we are. We're pulling against this. And God's saying, nah, I got this. Let me tell you, God's going to win in the end. Regardless of what you and I He's going to win in the end. Now, I may be on a hospital bed, ate up with cancer, but I'm going to realize one way or the other, God's going to win in the end. God's trying to get us to the fifth, the last, third. Jerusalem, stand with me. Well, I know I messed everybody up. I preached longer than a Sunday night. But I feel so strong in the Holy Ghost tonight. I know some of you, there's probably about five of you that you're mad. But don't you forget it, boy. I pay your check. I don't need your check. Go ahead and bow up with me again. I'm here because God called me here. 
There goes my dad. He just went to pray and he goes, oh God, there he goes. So I know three or four of you are mad. Please, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to upset you. I'm not trying to belittle, talk down to you. I'm not trying. God, forgive me, please. God, forgive me. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to stir that old oil that's in every one of us. That we can get to the second one and we can get to the third one. And we can all dance together on streets of gold. Is there anybody that wants to go with me tonight? I want you to step out of that pew tonight. And I want you to come join me here at the front. But when you do, throw your hands to the heavens and say, God, restore to me the strength I need to get where I need to get. God's got a beautiful future for you and I. God's put us together in Indian Village. You ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. We're in it together. So what do you say we join arm in arm tonight in the Holy Ghost and let's go on to Hebron, the place of conviction, and say it's our time. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, we don't have to wait for the music. Come on, that's a mark of mature church. I don't have to wait for the music. God's going to save your son. God's going to save your daughter. God put us together to see the salvation come to your home. Come on, lift your voice with me right now. Lift your voice with me right now. Come on, just love him right now. That's all you got to do. If you're too tired to lift your arms, just love him with your mouth. God, I love you right now. God, I thank you right now. God, I love you with all of my heart right now. God, you're good to me. We've got a good church family. We've got a good church home. Now, God, from here, launch out and do a great work in our community. to this week with a strong hand of his authority. A strong hand of authority is going to come to somebody this week. If you believe that, reach up with it with faith, with your mouth. I believe it now. sense in me laboring the time I think many of those that are going to receive it, received it and we're going to see I say again, this week there will be a hand of authority extended from God Brother Butch, in certain situations of the church family members this week get ahead of God and be presumptuous and say well it's going to, you believe God for whatever you want to believe him for but you mark it down I saw a hand coming out of the heavenlies and it marks the working of his hand and authority moving in our homes and our families God is going to show himself strong to the families of Indian Village I'm for you you've been in a battle in your time strength is on the way one more time throw your hands as high as you can Jesus, we commit ourselves to you. We stand convicted by your presence and your word. And the men of old, let your power move 
I find drug addiction, alcohol addiction, perversion, whatever has bound this community. Let my people go. In Jesus' name, we pray, declare tonight. Let my people go. Clap your hands to him as an offering of praise.